Hello, welcome to another episode of the High Ground, powered by Premier Companies. Ryan, how are you doing today? Doing great, how are you? I'm doing awesome. Yeah. And uh, we've got two guests in the podcast room this morning, and if you ever want... Neither are special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the last guest was a real special guest, that was our CEO, so we had to sit a little straighter in our seats. I've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been fun. Yep, yeah. it's been fun. See you guys. <laughs> well, if you ever, uh, to our listeners out there, if you ever wonder who who purchases all the fertilizer for Premier Ag across our entire trade geography, they're sitting right here with us today. And we've got uh, Scott Sharp and Jeff Jarrett in the podcast room today. So um, both have been on uh, the high ground before. And uh, put a timestamp on this, Ryan. We're kind of well. We're starting at 2023. We're in January of 2023, and um, I thought it might be a good idea just uh, as we got, kind of look back a little bit and think about the challenges going into last year and what is going on today. And uh, I guess Jeff, I'll kind of point the first question to you. Um, what are some of the challenges we have with just moving moving product? into the area in January 23? I'd say the biggest thing that uh, we've been faced with as, as we watch these fertilizer markets uh, every day has been logistical issues. Um, we've had um, geopolitical issues around the world, a lot of, you know, uh, disruptions. Uh, you know, the Ukrainian war oh, yeah. brought a lot of, you know, uh, just uncertainty into the into things, and we've seen producers react to some of these geopolitical things that has that has had a ripple effect down the way. Um, I'd say one of those was when uh, when Russia went into Ukraine. I think the Canadian producers of potash saw that as this is going to happen. Now we'll see sanctions come against Russia, so the Canadians, you know, they they go and they gear up extra production for potash to meet the needs. But then no sanctions were brought against Russia, so then we see a glut of potash hit the market. So in, in those kind of things, uh, just throw everything out of balance. So as, as, as Scott and I work every day and, and watch the fertilizer markets, we rely on certain fundamentals to help us you know, gauge buying decisions and pricing decisions. And then when you see these geopolitical things cause people to do things out of the ordinary, it just throws everything into a tailspin. And so now what you think you can rely on fundamentally doesn't happen or... You know, we get more more excess inventory here, or we get a shortage over here, and now we've got to we got to respond to it not only from a pricing standpoint, but logistical issues as well. So, um, one of those other logistical issues we had was the the river. We had you know low water conditions on the on the Mississippi River that uh, didn't bring barge traffic to a standstill, but it's about as close as we've been for a long time. So. That was uh, that was another issue that we've dealt with. So geopolitical you, and logistical. You explained issues. to me at one time, or maybe it was Scott. But one of you told me that it was kind of like a single lane road in it some was. areas. It yeah. was the. Uh, so when the river gets that low, you still have your the deepest part of the channel that they can still navigate, but they had to lower the drafts on the barges. So now you can't load barges as heavy. You also can't push um, what they call when they when they tie those barges together, they call that a tow. And then you've got a tow boat that pushes those up the river or down the river. And so they, they couldn't build the tows as big. They were running pretty much half size on the tows. Plus they were only able to navigate, and I can't remember if it was northbound during daytime hours and southbound during nighttime hours. So they, they basically had a one lane 
you know, it's, it's, it's like when you shut two lanes on an interstate. Wow. And uh, so, so they were, so, so they get lots of backlogs. We saw, you know, a couple thousand barges get backlogged where they just couldn't move them. And, well, and uh, the other thing that happens when that happens is that river gets narrow. You got no place to park them either. <laughs> There's no off ramps, right? I mean, you know, you're just, so stuff's in the way. You have barges that are too heavy because they I mean they're loaded too much. So now you got to find, get a crane in there to offload it. Now you got to find a barge that's available to put that in. And yeah, it's, it's a mess. And plus, it's probably not just fertilizer on the river, right? Everything. It's everything. Everything. Fuel, <clears throat> aggregates. Oh, I mean, steel. I, help, uh, I mean, grain. They, they quit taking grain at one point in time. But I mean, there's consumer goods too. I mean, absolutely. There's uh, Louisville, Ford, they, they'll ship. Trucks and vehicles, uh, cars via barge. Wow. So. Cheapest and, form of transportation out there is, is by water. And I guess there's no way to knowing. We get a one-inch rain, that's probably not going to fix it. It's going to take a lot of water to get that. Yeah, and, and the good news is we are starting to see the river improve. Um, I, I talked to one of the barge lines yesterday just to kind of get an update because um, I thought you might bring this up today. The, the lower Mississippi. Because we don't script these. Usually we don't give you a lot of warning either. No, you don't. <laughs> so. But you had ample time to prepare, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, a day. Yeah, we had a day, yeah. Well, it was late afternoon yesterday. <laughs> true, true, not a full day. Yeah, the, the email never sent. You know, yeah, exactly. Sink. Right. Exactly. exactly. We sent it via the river. <laughs> Put it on a barge and mailed it to me. Perfect. <laughs> But no, the, the lower Mississippi, which basically runs uh, south of St. Louis all the way to New Orleans, that part of the river now is able to run maximum draft size and maximum tow size. So instead of pushing 15 barges, they can push 30. Now, north of St. Louis, which is what we call the upper Mississippi, that is still closed due to winter weather. It closes in October. It won't open back up until um, well, probably March, April time frame, probably March. Uh, just depends on the weather. Uh, so that's currently closed. And then you have the Illinois River and the Ohio River that are running with draft restrictions of nine foot six inches. So that means the the barge, and the, probably the best way to say that we get a if I get a potash barge in, a lot of the barges we get will draft around nine foot, and there'll be about fifteen hundred tons average size barge. Uh, I actually looked at a draft yesterday on a on a sixteen hundred and twenty one barge twenty one ton barge, and it was drafted nine foot eight inches, so it would not be eligible to come up the Ohio. Wow, they watched it that close. Yes, yeah, because they'll just bought those. Well, they'll they'll get, get stuck. stuck. They yep. get they get stuck, and that was some of the problems that we had on the on the Mississippi River going through the fall. Those barges were running aground, or the towboat would run aground. You need you need about nine foot of water to run some of those big towboats. So they would run aground, and then everything stops until they can get in there, and you know they bring smaller tugboats in and have to start pulling them off, and you got to break the tow down, and it takes a while. It's just like a wreck on the interstate, everything stops. So it goes back to the first thing you said: it's logistics. Yes, that's our challenge going into this year: is logistics. Yes, and supply either being too much in one area or not enough in another. You know, the fertilizer industry is like everything else. You know, <clears throat> we we struggle with. Uh, Urea markets last year, we saw this glut of imports come in late in the in the in the season. So you see, you know, uh, urea getting cheaper as we get into the big demand uh, periods. We had so much urea come in that we really didn't realize that we had a glut of imports. So 
this year to try to stabilize the markets um, and not see those that volatility in price, we've seen less imports come in. But now the pendulum's almost swung too far, and now we're concerned with we don't have enough urea here. In the United States. In the United States, as we still have to import a fair amount of urea, probably three to four million tons every year. We're probably a couple million tons behind, Scott. I don't know if you've seen the number lately or not. but It's uh, one and a half to two. Yeah. And so now we're in January. If if you're going to bring it to this country, you need to get those boats loaded. Um, Most of the time where they're coming from, they've got 30 or 40 days of sailing time. So if you loaded one today... You know, you're looking uh, into February, maybe before it gets there. Then you take all the other logistical issues that you have, you know, getting the thing in, find a stevedore, you know, to has the capacity to unload it and get the barges down there, get it up the river. So, you know, you loaded one today, you're probably, you might see those barges by the end of March. Wow. And that's if everything went well. Um, we've had some barges come up the river that normally take, oh, 10, 12 to... Well, on the Henderson side, on, on the Cincinnati side, probably 20 days to get there right. in normal. They're taking 30, 40 days. So mm-hmm. just all those little things keep adding up. And so it's just stuff that we have to be concerned with and watch and just make sure that when our customers come to us, we have product. I don't know that we've ever run out of product, um, or if we have, it's been for just a few hours. But uh, we will move heaven and earth to make sure our customers have you know product when the time comes. So, Yeah, I tried to explain that to somebody. I uh, with the investments in storage that that, that we have made, uh, somebody asked me about you know supply and getting tight. And I was like, if we run out, everybody's going to be out. That's fact. And, That's right. Uh, you know, because I didn't know how better. But once you once you get the product in on a barge, you still got to truck truck away to the inland to our facilities. Right. So that's another challenge is just the trucking component, probably. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. it's been a problem for a year now. So yes, I don't know how much better that's going to get either right now. <clears throat> on a bright spot though <clears throat> excuse me we had a we had a big fall um so let's let's talk about that just a little bit i mean as far as ahead of schedule we had a dry fall I mean, that was uh Certainly. Kind of the craziest craziest fall we've seen for a while so how does that going to play into 2023 well i mean that's the work that's done right so that's that's always positive and and uh Probably a big one was lime. Um, we were probably up 3x what we did last fall. And, uh, I mean, we were approaching 75,000 tons ag lime on the ground, which is good because that really throws a wrench into our spring to try to do that. And uh, so, I mean, you know, stuff that's been on the books for a while, it's off the books. And, you know, so that's that's probably going to be as much help as anything on uh, versus the fertilizer. <clears throat> and, I mean, but, again, it just didn't rain. And, uh, and it was pretty uneventful i mean when you know it's not gonna rain <laughs> i mean right. you know sort of let off the gas not let off the gas but you don't have to work it. on sundays I yeah mean. i mean you just sit there and you if you want to quit at six o'clock you quit at six o'clock because you can go start at seven o'clock tomorrow and nothing's gonna happen right you know i mean you're not gonna run out of out of daylight and weather to get it done so it was a pretty pretty smooth fall so when you say that was uh that's that's work that's done did you see a lot of transition to more tons in the fall that would normally be spring tons? No, I don't think so. I think probably what we maybe saw was uh, those Jan-Feb winter tons maybe got pushed forward more so than spring tons. Okay. I, at least that's my I, I, I'd agree with that. Okay. All right. It just seems like 
I know, I know if you're a grower, one of the things that's front of mind is always just the pricing and, and when's the right time. And, and, uh, sometimes when, when prices move, you think that's a, that's a trend. It's, it's more of an anomaly and it's always, it seems like it's always better to have a, a bird in the hand, you know, so to speak, and have your fertilizer on the ground with all these, you said geopolitical, <laughs> right? With the, with the global events and local transportation issues, having your fertilizer on the ground in the fall is not a bad thing. It, it is not. And that, like, like Scott said, that, that, that is done. You know, when we were in the fall, we were looking at those river conditions and wondering, we'll be, be able to get product up the river, you know, it, for fall. Well, we, we had, we were, we felt pretty good about our supply for fall. Um, but you know, when you start going replenishing into replenishing that, we have to, re, you know, go through the winter fill period and try to get everything back in so we can be ready for the spring season. And it's like, well, now fortunately we've, we've got capabilities where we can, we can switch from water to rail. It, it wouldn't be real pleasant and it would, you know, be unnatural to try to, you know, freight, you know, have to load trucks up where we can take rail and, and haul to other plants and stuff, but we could do it if, you know, if it, if it came down to it and, and that actually crossed our mind a couple of times. And wow. Like, wow. So that's uh but we, we got through it. Um, they're starting to get some water barges are moving fairly decent. And, uh, so we're going to, we're going to be okay. But that was, that was a concern. And boy, I'm glad we had the product in place. We could handle the extra acres we got this fall. Um, you know, was it, did we do a huge amount? I, I'd no. say it's up a little. Um, was it was it huge? No, no. I mean, you know, and I mean, Prairie's a big company. We can spread a lot of fer- a lot of acres of fertilizer in a day, and you know, we uh, to put it. And you never run a hundred percent with every machine all day, you know. But uh, you know, we're maybe two or three days of a, of a spring day ahead is what it amounts to. Wow. So. Yeah. Yeah. This, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I like that perspective. Yeah, I heard him say that one time. I was like, "Well, that's, that's we're all not, proud." That's not much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're up twenty thousand acres, and we spread four hundred. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other thing I'd throw in too. I mean, if this if we were having this conversation one year ago today, Russia hadn't invaded Ukraine. Oh my gosh! You know, I mean, so that's not to say that that's behind us now. Uh, I mean, and I'm not saying that puts it in perspective. Though, yeah. Right? You don't know what's, exactly. you don't know what's ahead. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> we could just be all happy and sassy and, you know, thinking everything's great. And then what something else happens and I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> you know, and here <laughs> we go again. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think we know. I mean, that, that would be my next question. I mean, you guys are paying attention to this stuff all the time and trying to watch markets. I mean, what, what looms on the horizon in, from a geopolitical standpoint or what what other things out there are i mean clearly you guys can make decisions faster than they can picking a supreme or a speaker of the house <laughs> so, oh, yeah. i don't know if that's going to hold anything up on the fertilizer but i think we're in like 10 number 10 votes now well we don't sit around and yell at each other so that speeds the process up <laughs> i'm nominating sal at, at 12 30 today oh, so thank you <laughs> Right. Sal for speaker. So you're you're going to get 10 of Jim Jordan's votes. Oh, <laughs> yes. my gosh. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. Where were we? No. <laughs> what, what geopolitical issues might be looming on the front that we're watching, though? You know, I, I don't know that I know today. I, you know, the Ukrainian conflict is obviously not solved. Um, does that have, you know, lingering effects? You know, there's there's always talk about Russia. You know, what they're spending to to wage this war is what's that doing to their infrastructure? 
um, you know, what about these oligarchs over there that own all these, you know, companies that produce this fertilizer? What, uh, you know, what's what's going to happen to them? You know, will they, Russia's a major potash exporter, yeah, correct? They're, they're a huge potash exporter. They would be the largest wow. potash exporter out there, you know, followed by the Canadians. So it's, uh, it, I mean, it can have a huge impact if, uh, if something gets derailed over there. I think if there's anything that would maybe throw a hick or hiccup in it is, uh, you know, it's, it's not geopolitical, but it's just the court of public opinion. I mean, there's companies that are saying we're not doing it. I mean, they're pulling their business, their companies out of Russia, you know, and so, um, hmm. but at the end of the day, Russia's going to sell potash. They got to. I mean, they got to generate that cash. Absolutely. And, so it's uh, what it would do is, you know, it wouldn't be a uh, um, sanctions, but it's just, you know, if everybody says we're not buying Russian potash, not going to happen, right? Well, they're going to sell it someplace. So all the trade flows got to get re- rerouted, you know, and that just makes it a mess for 18 months or whatever, however long it takes to sort all that out uh, because everybody needs everybody because it takes all – everybody that's producing potash, we need all of them, right? It all goes somewhere. And nobody can make up – you know, Russia can't make up for if the Canadians say we're not selling potash anymore and vice versa. So, I mean, it's, it takes everybody. One of the things we hear about, talking about Russia and Ukraine, is the natural gas and the situation that Europe's in now. And um, we talk about natural gas, and that's usually, we're talking about nitrogen. That's nitrogen. That's tie-in there. Um, what do the nitrogen market, markets look like today? The uh, And I haven't checked it for an hour, so it could have changed. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> You might explain that, that about just the volatility and and how that changes. Yeah, the quickly. He, he, yeah. yeah, this yeah. yeah, this will take an hour. Um, <laughs> Podcast version <yeah>. number two. <laughs> Lots of volatility in nitrogen markets. Um, when we have a somewhat normal year, you have volatility in nitrogen markets. But uh, throw in the fact that um, Europe saw natural gas spike to ninety one, ninety two dollars. Yeah. Um, Last summer, um, that sent shock waves. They started shutting down nitrogen plants. Now, fortunately, they've had a warm winter so far. And as of yesterday or this morning, I can't remember when I saw this, I think their their natural gas prices are down to about twenty dollars. Down to so, yeah, so they're you know they've they've dropped you know seventy bucks from the high. You know, you probably but still in need the those US prices. We'd be it. Seven, eight. I know that would be high. Yeah, yeah. Us, yeah, right. Yeah, seven. What put us out of the correct nitrogen market? You know, years ago when we shut production down, it was seven, eight dollar natural gas. So when they when they started shutting the production, once they get above ten bucks, it starts getting too expensive to produce nitrogen. But they were still doing it. There's still some byproducts you need to have from that, you know, for industry. So, you know, I'm looking now to see if they'll start restart some of those production plants over there. Which again could cause ripples in the in the nitrogen market, um, but I, I'm guessing if they if they start production up now, it would probably have an impact on summer. Um, you know, it takes a while to bring those plants back up. By the time they would get to producing and and be able to be effective in the marketplace, you know, you're you're looking at a couple months for them to build up inventories and get stuff moved, and you know, so you're you're well into the spring when it should have been here already. So I, I think we'll still see exports from the U.S. go to Europe um, until they get those plants back up fully running. Um, and that's the other thing that I think, uh, you know, the nitrogen plants that produce in the U.S., 
you know, the, the big ones are CF and Coke and um, uh, Nutrient and um, um, why can't I remember the other one? OCI. Yeah. And, you know, they don't sit around and produce nitrogen and, and worry about taking care of the American farmer every day. They produce nitrogen to go sell into the highest paying market. Global market. Global marketplace. So, you know, they're... To get the best return for their stock. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're judged, uh, you know, the, for the publicly traded ones, they're, they're judged by that. And so they've, they've got to have a return every quarter. So we've seen a lot of nitrogen get exported out of this country. Again, we still need to import some nitrogen in the form of urea. And uh, we're, we're behind. So we'll see what this... Uh, hmm. But hopefully that'll that'll have an impact and start to alleviate some things. Uh, I don't know if it'll be enough to make a big impact for spring. So a farmer, so a farmer, I guess all of us, we kind of want to whether we're buying stock or whether we're buying uh, whatever we buy, we we kind of like to buy at the best time, right? Mm-hmm. And what's one of the, I guess the risk for a grower to to try to outguess this market is if they're trying to wait for the bottom is that this thing can turn pretty quick. Well, yeah. I mean, you're sitting here and, I mean, we see a urea move $75 in a day. A day. Right? And, uh, you know, it's, it's – and there's – as Jeff said, there's always been volatility. I don't think the, the highs and lows were that much, you know. Uh, and uh, when you're talking about that type of volatility, I mean, it could move more than what our margin is. And, you know, if we're true and, you know, that's so I think the risk is by the time we I mean, you know, by the end of the day, we figure out all this went down. Well, now we got to go call 50 farmers, customers and say, hey, probably ought to. It's down 50 bucks today. Let's make our buy. Well, by the time we get our bike pool, I mean, it's just not that it can't be that (laughs) in time as far as your pricing. I think, you know, I I don't know if we talked about the last time I was with you guys, but I mean. Just because you got the lowest price on the fertilizer doesn't mean you made the most money, right? I mean, yeah, there's a whole other side of the, you know, their output is, is you know, what's the market like, you know? And so if you if you tie uh, right now, these corn for 23 is 50 cents higher than it was a year ago, and we have lower fertilizer prices. It's a much better value than they had a year wow. ago. Uh, Putting it like that, that that's a good point. I think you'd probably say that again. Just because you bought fertilizer cheaper didn't mean doesn't mean that you made the most money there's another side to it in and the marketing side. and conversely if you sold corn and soybeans at right. the high doesn't mean you made the most money either we've had blood so tough say that you guys have all said it yeah whether it be the grain marketing side or the input purchasing side know your cost of production is the key to this whole thing i mean that buy has nothing to do with what what the sticker price says it's it's how much money you're making at the end so yep. you know i think uh, one thing you talked about the you know, markets moving you know, they can move $75 in a day, $100 in a day. It, in the old days, when I first came back to the fertilizer industry, you know, markets moved 5 bucks, 10 bucks was, was oh, oh, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. newsworthy? Yeah, it was, it was newsworthy. Today it moves 5 10 and nobody even pops a sweat. I mean, it's just like, okay. But, you know, and unfortunately, the, the $50 and the $70 swings are, you know, they're starting to kind of be normal. Wow. And uh, that's, I mean, and when you break that down on a per acre basis for the you know, farmer, I, uh, I've got a friend of mine that uh, farms over on the west side of the state. And we were talking about something one time, and I told him at, at that time, I said, you know, we could see a 30 or $40 swing, and I think it was a price, price of potash or dap or something. And he's like, that's not that big a deal when you look at it on a per acre basis. And, 
And, and I, I think that's, you, you need to, they, they need to keep that in mind. You know, it's a, uh, that puts it in perspective. And, yeah, you know, that money's just as good in his pocket as some potash producer. Right. Uh, but at the same time, you know, don't let a dollar fifty an acre make you do on something unnatural that's going to cause a problem. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They limit your potential, you know, success. That's, that's good advice. It gets emotional instead of look, <laughs> looking at it like that. Once you break it down that to that point in the whole cost of production, it shouldn't make you do weird things with your inputs to try to. And if you're if you're buying inputs, go sell grain, lock in a profit, move on. Good day. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well played. I don't have a whole lot more unless you guys have some insight into other marketing advice for 2023. I don't know what all you see on the horizon, if anything. Um, anything else you want to share? Understand that it is the volatility piece makes it hard to say much to anything. But well, we know some top secret stuff, but we decided that we can't <laughs> tell you to. <laughs> You can tell us. Yeah, nobody's nobody's, nobody's uh, listening. Yeah, so nobody's listening. Just tell us. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I'd say, I mean, uh, and this will sound stupid, maybe it is, but when I, you know, when I don't know what to do, I don't know whether to buy potash tomorrow, right? You know, I'm sitting down, and if I don't know what to do, I do a layer. You know, I mean, uh, if I do thirty percent or fifty percent of whatever I'm going to need. You know, if it goes up, I'm glad I bought what I bought. If it goes down, I'm glad I got more I can cost average down with. And, I, and I've, I've encouraged some customers to do that, you know. I mean, you don't sell all your grain in one day. doesn't mean you ought to buy your fertilizer all in one day. That's good advice. Good. It's Scott Sharp's Magic 8 Ball. Yes. <laughs> we'll flash his number up on the screen. <laughs> yeah. What's it say today? No, that's good. That's good advice. So, anything else? Uh, his his real secret is he just waits for me to buy, then he waits till the next day because it usually goes down when I buy. <laughs> That's his real secret. You can do it on urea or kryptonite, as I like to call it with Jeff. <laughs> Inside <laughs> joke. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Well, is that it? Yep. Yep. Good? Thanks, guys. All right, guys. Thank you very much for being here. And this is another episode of the High Ground Powered by Premier Companies. And we want to remind all our listeners to like and subscribe. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks.